Welcome to Coach Speak, presented and co-hosted by Edward Jones Financial Advisor and Marquette Catholic High School Varsity Basketball Coach Steve Medford. I'm Nick Dar. In this episode, we'll talk to Todd Locks, personal trainer and owner of Pride Fitness. He'll tell us about his own personal fitness journey and how he works with local athletes to motivate them to get the most out of themselves. This episode of Coach Speak with Steve Medford starts in 20 seconds. To win in sports, you must focus on your strategy as the game changes. The same is true of investments. I'm Steve Medford, your Ever Jones Financial Advisor, and I can help. Call 498-8523. Ever Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Welcome to another episode of the Coach Speak Podcast with Edward Jones Financial Advisor, Steve Medford. I'm Nick Dar. pleased to be joined this week. Uh, Steve, I'll let you introduce our guest, I, I guess, this week, since it's such a privilege to, to introduce this person. <laughs> well, you know, I've got a lot of nice things to say about him, and i also got some negative things to say about him. But, you know, Todd, Todd Locks comes across maybe as this big, tough guy, but deep down, he's got a big heart. And, you know, the reason I wanted to get him on here was, you know, we've had a lot of coaches in this area. And I think we can all say that a lot of them have had a lot of impact on youth. But when you talk about the amount of youth that Todd's touched, I don't even think it's in comparison. So um, what he's built at Pride Fitness and what he's done and how he's taught and wh- how he's got that going. I mean, I bet you there's there's more kids on Facebook that post to Todd's Pride Fitness, our personal account, or probably the, we don't even know about the text messages that he receives. But um, Todd, I know you've done a heck of a job with, the impact that you've had on the local youth. Well, thanks for that introduction, Steve. I feel like you're just softening me up. So I'm nice to you on here as I feel like what that's all about. (laughs) First of all, I'd like to thank you guys. Um, You know, I've kind of outgrown your show since I have my own Eat, Say, Live show. And (laughs) I had some demands that, you know, I wanted a limo and I wanted sunflowers delivered to here to the studio and an, an iced tea with two ice cubes. So Steve, thank you for sending me your driver, your limo all the way up from Jerseyville. Okay. And I I know the people, this is, this is only audio. It's not video and they can't see this wonderful bouquet of sunflowers that you had sent to me for doing this show. But Steve, I'd just like to thank you for that. You're welcome, buddy. Thank you. I I, I couldn't be in there to see you straight up because it probably would be a I, in my opinion, it'd be too hard to be in front of you right now. Well, if I knew we could just do this from home from our from my crapper like you're doing, I, I would have. So I, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, gosh. I love it. Well, so. I, I don't remember which one of us, Steve, that, that had this idea of having Todd on. I'm going to blame you, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we most of the coaches we've had on have been your traditional basketball coaches or football coaches or whatever. But I think we both think of Todd as definitely a coach that uh, that gets the most out of the athletes that he works with. And Todd, talk a little bit just about you know your journey to um, you know where you grew up and then and and all the way up to to today to coaching and working with athletes at, at Pride. Do we have eight hours? Is yeah, this show it's, eight hey, hours. It's a podcast. Okay. You can go as long as you want. Uh, well, I mean, I, I grew up in Calhoun County. You know, actually Campsville, a town of about four hundred people at the time. I'm, and, you know, a lot of people ask me, hey, did you always know you wanted to be a trainer, you know, and things like that? And, and I didn't, you know what I'm saying? But looking back, I feel like I was always training people. I was like, I would set up obstacle courses in our yard. Um, just I, I was always making things for us to lift. And uh, my my dad, uh, he lived he was from Pearl, Illinois, which is in Pike County, which is even farther in BFE than than Campsville. 
And there, in an old shed in my grandmother's house, when I was a kid, we discovered this, it was a homemade barbell. It was only about three or four feet long, so not like your standard seven feet long ones. And on the end of each of them, on each side, was a rusted out uh, coffee can. Remember back when the coffee cans were metal? And you couldn't tell these were coffee. I mean, they didn't still say Folgers on them. But my dad made this barbell when he was a little kid. And so when I was a little kid, we would go there and, you know, like when we were really young, we'd, we'd just try to pick it up. It was, you know, heavy for us to pick up. And then as we got older, you know, we would try to lift it over our head. And then, you know, as we got older, we were standing, standing there doing curls for the girls with it. And I have that barbell. still It's sitting on my desk down at Pride right now. And so, you know, my dad, I don't know how, like, you know, like I said, he's from BFE. And this, he made this thing 60 plus years ago. I mean, he's in his 70s. And he made it when he was a kid. And how he had the, the knowledge to, you know, there probably wasn't, you know, magazines or your bodybuilding shows or anything like that for him to see. So I, I think I, I always had an infatuation with that, with that barbell. And it's kind of funny, my, my grandmother, who's now passed away, uh, her house, after she passed away, her house had burnt down. My, my family was renting it to someone that burnt down. So we went up there and kind of walked around her property. And I went in that shed and there was that barbell. You know, this was probably... This was about 10 years ago, right, as I was starting Pride. I found that old barbell and then took it home. So, you know, I've always kind of been into fitness, always been into, like, trying to help other people. You know, we always – we had boxing gloves all the time as a kid, and if they broke, we would – Ty tells a story about how I used to – me and him used to box wearing – you know, he played a lot of basketball, so we had we would box with knee pads covering our knuckles. So, you know, just always been sort of into fitness. I, I posted a picture on my social media a while back of uh, at Christmas time, me getting my first DP weight set. You guys remember the DP weight set? Mm-hmm. Like the plastic ones okay, with, the, yeah, with the concrete yeah. in the middle that yeah, after yeah. a while they'd crack open. And I think I still have concrete in my eye from those things. <laughs> but I think I was nine or 10 years old getting my first first barbell set and um you know it just kind of you know i didn't really get into it until about 10 12 years ago into turning it into a business right i was uh working at the simmons cooper law firm and one of the the managing partner at the time was jeff cooper and he knew i was into mma and the ufc and fighting and you know he's hey you know we should you know look into sponsoring fighters and so, oh, yeah, that he's like, you you know, you, you know, Matt Hughes. And I didn't know Matt at the time, but I was good friends with his best friend, which was also his wrestling coach, this Mark Fiore. And so long story short, we flew out to Vegas when uh, Hughes and Fiore and Robbie Lawler were doing the Ultimate Fighter reality show on Spike TV and went from sponsoring fighters to building a gym in Granite City. I started being the uh, general manager there. And these guys, they had jiu-jitsu coaches and they had boxing coaches and wrestling coaches, but no one there was doing their strength and conditioning you know and i had been studying and reading up on that my whole life and so i kind of started helping the fighters uh it wasn't part of my job but they needed the guidance so i started helping them and and you know i uh, two of them in particular that i first started with they started having great success they started getting better and better and the other fighters there could see how much stronger they were getting so next thing i know i had like these, this lit this waiting list of guys wanting to get in and train with me so that's kind of the beginnings of pride fitness talk a little bit about the i, I guess evolution of your personal fitness because if i'm remembering correctly you used to be more of a 
heavyweight guy in the weight room. Maybe you still are. I don't know, but I know pride's based more on the circuit. Nick, and... Nick let's not get ahead of ourselves. He was never very big. Just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was this big muscular guy. Let's not go there. I didn't mean it that way, but <laughs> yeah, I mean my my the way my own personal fitness has has changed a lot over the years. You know, I was like the rest of us. I used to read those flex magazines and go in and Monday was uni, you know Universal Chess Day and spend two hours you know bench pressing and incline pressing and peck decking steve you're probably still hitting at the picnic up there at the wellness center aren't you <laughs> but you know and i did all that and I, I you know i just i've always just tried different things like you know strongman powerlifting and just different things and um you know now i kind of i i i say this is i've stole this from a guy named tim kennedy who uh, he used to be a ufc fighter and he's in a navy seal but he said train to make yourself harder to kill and that's kind of that's kind of how I train now. Just you know, picking up heavy things like you know, like sandbags and doing sprints and running up hills and just things to uh, you know make yourself harder to kill, so to speak. You know, I'm not standing around you know doing uh, calf raises and and shrugs and things like that. Hey Todd, now talk about a little bit about you know how you got the backyard. You know, and and I Nick, I'll just kind of give you a little background. When he he started this, I mean. It was, I'm serious, like Friday nights I would text Todd because I was so excited about going to the yard to work out. And um, it, it was it was one of the, and, and now it's it's turned into this, I don't know, it's 150 people at circuit and almost like cult-like from, a, from an aspect of, of the following that he's got. Yeah, when, you know, down there at Hughes' gym, um, Cooper decided to sell it kind of out of the blue. And I was kind of you know, like, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to work for the Simmons firm? And. I had a lot of people encouraging me saying, hey, try to do this on your own. Because like I said, I was training so many fighters down there. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I'll do this. So, you know, I had two-car garage. I would kind of turned it into a gym already. And this, this wasn't like a nice garage like up at Medford Manor, you know. <laughs> this, was, this is wood paneling on, on the walls, creepy-looking garage, you know. And so I, you know, I'm like, you know, I'm going to try this. So, you know, I started just... You know, I made this big, you know, uh, sales marketing budget and all this stuff. But, you know, like today, it's the best time ever to start a business because Facebook is basically free. Social media is basically free. And I just started putting up videos, you know, and uh, that and it just kept growing. So, you know, I was doing personal training in my garage. Um, and I would, you know, I had some business cards made up and I would offer two free sessions. And I knew if I could get them in there for two free sessions, I could sell them on it. You know, and so I built up, I was doing that all day long, just personal training after personal training all day long. And then a, me and a couple friends, uh, John Forler and Carrie Allen, we decided to just do a little workout in my yard. And I have a pretty big yard. And so we did that, kind of put up some pictures and some videos. And then, you know, we start out with three people. And the next time it was nine people. And then a week or two later, I have 15 and it goes to 20. And then, you know, we did this for about two and a half years. And I think the most we ever had was 57 people in my yard. And, and, you know, I, you know, I'm not living, I don't live out in the country. I live in Rosewood Heights. It's just a regular neighborhood. You know, cars are lining up and down the street. And, and I said, I think we got a lot of people who thought it was a yard sale and just stopped by and didn't want to leave. So we just threw them into the workout, you know, but as Steve said, it was, you know, I, I remember those texts, Steve. We acted like it was like that night before circuit. We'd act like it was our Christmas Eve, you and I and Ty, right? 
was, man. It was awesome. It was, it was one of the best workouts. It's still one of the best workouts I've ever gotten. And then, um, it, it was, it was awesome. It was just, yeah. you, you, you look forward to that Saturday morning and getting that workout in, you're pumped up, you're excited about it. And you felt great when you're done with it. Yeah. And you know, people give me a lot of credit for it. I have all this, but we started out with just really good people. You know, Steve, he was, you know, the beginning, my brother Ty and just a lot of good. We had a great core of people and that's, we've just built on that. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's just like right now, the, I mean, the people like the main, the regulars at, at Pride are just good people. You know what I'm saying? We have a lot of police officers and firemen, you know, like the the police chief of, of Alton, you know, Marcos Pleal, he comes there. The chief, police chief of Wood River, Brad Wells, he comes there. We've just, we, we don't have a lot of, I don't know if you can say this, douchebags that come to the gym like your, you know, Planet Club Leisure Fitness place, you know? It's the internet. You can say anything. <laughs> so, yeah, we... <laughs> You know, we've just built it with, you know, with a great core of people who they, they don't think of themselves as a member. They think of themselves as a part of it, as part of a tribe, you know, as a part of the, you know, I hate to say it, it's cheesy, but, you know, part of a, a little pride fitness family, you know. And talk about that a little bit, you know, uh, Todd, just that's one thing I really respect about, you know, your your gym is the diversity of the circuit. I mean, from you have people in there that's doesn't matter, male, female, eight year, 10 years old to to. 50 years old, 60 years old, and they all feel welcome and they all feel like, man, this is an awesome work. Talk about that. I mean, I think that is probably one of the most unique things about your circuit is anybody can can do yeah, it. And well, we've, like I said, it's a culture and you have to create a culture at places. Like you at Marquette, you created a culture where you come in, it's it's hard, you got to be disciplined, you got to work hard. And, and we've we've created where you have to work hard, but you also help to help the new people that come in. And remember that one time you were that new rookie coming in, not knowing what you're doing. And that's what's so great about people. They just take them under their wing, you know. And, and, I, and I talked to Nick about this earlier in the week. The way our circuit's set up, I mean, we do hardcore stuff. You're swinging a sledgehammer, you're hitting a tire. You're flipping, you're flipping big tires. You're, you're hitting a heavy bag, things like that. But we've created it where you go at your own pace. And you might have someone in there who, who has lost 100 pounds, you might have someone in there whose goal is to lose 100 pounds. Uh, you might have a wrestler getting ready for season. You might have uh, a high school kid getting ready to go to boot camp. And because you do everything at your own pace, everyone can do it and gets done, and they're all gassed, but they did it at their own pace. You know, And we, and we preach and preach, and it, you're not competing against the other people in the Thunderdome, you're, you're competing against yourself, you know, doing one rep more than you did last time, just being a little bit better every time you come in and that's that's what we try to uh no, that's the culture we've tried to create there is it ever a, a challenge for you to to get up for the circuit workout because you're a madman in there running around like crazy and <laughs> it yes it is man I, i'll tell you what with with my mental intellect i i should be digging ditches somewhere <laughs> and so when i say that running that circuit is exhausting you know i'm not putting down people who are out there actually doing manual labor all day but you you have to, I, I always say to myself, my job is to transfer my energy over to the people that are there, okay? So, like, you know, I start every morning with group sessions at 6 a.m. I don't just do this, you know, circuit. Like, every Monday morning, I have a 6 a.m. women's weightlifting group. And I have to come in at 6 a.m. with the energy. I have to bring it. 
I have to, because they don't want to be there. Right. And I can't n- not want to be there, act like I don't want to be there. You know what I'm saying? On Monday morning. So I got to transfer my energy to them. I also, you know, I have classes throughout the day, high school kids, another way, women's weightlifting group. It's 7 p.m. I have a middle school speed and agility session that night. So, you know, I can't come in there and just be like dragging, like, oh, come on, kids. You know, like, you know, you know, this last one we had the other night, we had like, 30 some kids. I got to come in at not, at 7 p.m. on Monday night. I have to then bring it again, you know? So it, it can be exhausting, but man, when, but, and this is, God, this is going to be sound so cheesy, but just watching people come in there and do, like, be excited to be there to, to accomplish things that they didn't think that, that I feed off of that too. As much as they're feeding off of me, I'm feeding off of them. And I don't think I can ever get tired of that. I get tired of people. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, this, you know, we're giving energy back and forth. And that, that's what it's all about. You know, I also when, read, you, when you get a text message from an 18 year old kid that and I'm sure you get some of those quite a bit, just kind of complimenting you or are thanking you for what you've done. I mean, to me, that that I, I love that. And that's in between. It's kind of a personal relationship that you have with somebody. But knowing that you help somebody and get in the right direction. Um, that's what this is all about. It, it really is. And and I say this all the time. Again, I'm, I'm throwing out the cheese, but you know, yes, I'm training them from sports. Yes. I'm training them. Maybe hopefully they, you know, become all conference, become all state, go to college, go to D one, whatever, to be honest with you. And I don't probably wouldn't admit this to the kids and they would laugh if I did, but I'm training them for life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like we all the time, you know, these the millennials and this younger generation, they get a bad rap about, you know, they're soft. They don't they don't work as hard as, you know, blah, blah, blah. The generations before them. okay and so I'm trying to, you know, one, do my part to help turn that around. I don't have kids of my own. So, you know, all these guys that come in kind of become my kids. You know, when people say that about this younger generation, well, you know who created this generation? The older generation. You know what I'm saying? That's who's to blame for this. And I think it comes from that. I'm getting on a rant here. But it comes from, I, I my opinion, it comes from parents like, you know, I want to give my kids what I didn't have. Well, that, that concept sounds great, but you probably worked for what you have, and now you're giving it to your kids instead of making them work for it, you know? You know, mm-hmm. I, I run sprints at the, the CM track every Friday morning, and I always think to myself, man, when I grow up, I want to be a Civic Memorial student because I look at the cars in the parking lot. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I got off on a little tangent then. But you know what? We don't have – you can't blame – kids are going to do what you let kids do. You know, we try to we try to prevent them from, from pain and suffering so mm-hmm. much, I think. And, and that's a noble thought, but um, – Man, you're not preparing them for No, for you're not. Life's not fair. It's hard. It'll right. kick you right in the teeth. You know what I'm saying? Literally. And mm-hmm. so and I I when I, if if they're soft, it's because generations ahead of them let them become that way. You know what I'm saying? And and I get some of the best kids down there. So that help you know what I'm saying? If, if kids are coming to me, they're looking for that edge. They're looking to be better. Do you know what I'm saying? Because it's not mandatory. It's not like going to a high school practice or anything like that. They're coming to me, and and to be honest, I don't get a lot of superstars that often. You know what I'm saying? Um, and which is which is fine because I would rather help a good kid become great than you know just helping superstars. And 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 I'll tell you what, this is 
I will never mention any names, but that I've only kicked two kids out of my gym and said, I'm not training you anymore. And one was probably the best athletes that I could have ever had there. And the other one was probably in the top five best and <laughs> kids yeah. who are ext extreme success. The so, only two I've ever said, you can't come back. They just didn't want to work or. Yeah, just did. Yes, yeah. exactly. Exactly. And you know how that works, Steve. Right. Oh, absolutely. So let's talk about this just a little bit. Okay. I, I know this was um, something that's kind of been near to your heart, but I mean, I don't think you ever probably would have dreamed that it would have done what it's done, but you know, just, just the patches and for ba and badges, you, you raised $27,000. I know. And that's, it was amazing. I, I just, I remember the video that you posted and you kind of thanked everybody. And it was like a, I mean, it was forever. It was 15 minutes long. <laughs> I went and live and then I couldn't just say their names. I just wanted to say a little bit about them. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, yeah. you know, and, and Nick and, and, and Will Miller gave me that hometown award or whatever hero. Award. And I, to be honest, I proud. I'm so proud of our gym for that, but I'm, I was also so embarrassed about because I, like and Nick said, and I, I was a cheerleader for the whole thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, Steve, you haven't been to Pride in a long time, and you don't, you know, and, and you don't want to, you don't want to say this, but you donated. Your wife donated separately. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? It was just mm -hmm. a lot of people, people rallied to do that. And do I, do I own the gym? Yes. Did, was I the cheerleader for it? Yes. But so many people made that, uh, made that possible. You know, no, and I was listening to your podcast the other night or, or with, with Will and, and them on, on the Z. And, and one of the things that you really said on there that really kind of struck me was just, you talked about what it meant to you about having, you know, a local officer, you know, going for maybe a little bit underprivileged kid yes. and, and buying that and seeing that maybe that impact that they had on that kid. To me, when you said that, it was just like, wow, that I wanted to donate more when you said it like that. I, I thought that was really cool. We're, we're still taking donations, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'll be writing you a check again tonight. Check out the Todd Locks. Uh, <laughs> well, you tell, know, tell them exactly kind of how, how you said that. Well, uh, yeah, you know, and you're going to get me in more rants, Steve. But, you know, with this whole lockdown thing and kids being isolated, you know, kid, kid, more privileged kids, they have the Xboxes and uh, I don't in television. I don't know. The, all They have all the modern conveniences. You know what I'm saying? At home. And a lot of these underprivileged kids during their getaway from this probably crappy uh, home life that they have is going to school. They don't have all these, you know, iPads and, and, and things like that. So their getaway is going to school and you took, we take that away from them. That just puts them uh, in that crappy situation uh, longer, more. Do you know what I'm saying? They don't have that escape. And, and you know, this is, and like I said, we, we like for the kids to think that the cops bought them those presents. Do you know what I'm saying? Because they all see these kids coming from these underprivileged uh, homes and, you know, bad neighborhoods and things like that. The way, they always see cops in a negative light. You know what I'm saying? They're coming to, to haul dad off who's, you know, maybe abused mom or, you know, maybe mom's addicted to, to crack. And, you know, they always see cops in this negative light, and that's how they'll think of them the rest of their life. So this is a putting them in a positive light, you know? And... It could just change the course of their life, you know, by by just, you know, having a, a cop provide their Christmas for them, you know. Talk a little bit, too, Todd, about just <laughs> you're a great user of Facebook. Am lot, I? In, well, in a lot of, a lot of people would hey. disagree with you. <laughs> hey, hey, Nick, 
Nick, it's Saturday, not Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but a lot of it is uh, is motivational. I, and I, I'm assuming there's a method to that madness that you. I don't know if there is. Strategy behind it. <laughs> I, I don't know if there is. Yeah, I mean, like I, I mean, I just try to have fun with it. Uh, you know, I try to be funny, but also you it be motivational. Just kind of a you know a, a combination of both. <laughs> I would it, also say don't leave your sweatshirt at, at Pride. Fitness. Yeah, that that <laughs> the locksecutioner will come out. Yeah, they still do. Believe me, I, I just I can't even at this point I can't even get mad about it anymore. But I just like to have fun with it. Do you know what I'm saying? It's I I and this sounds this I don't over dramatic, but I I sort of have a creative side and doing things like that. I, I just feel like that's a sort of a, a creative outlet. Even it's just making a video. I know as corny as that sounds, it's just a you know, it's a way to be creative. And I kind of got a little bit of that inside of me and that, that, that helps to get it out. Well, along those lines, let's pump your podcast a little bit. Tell us about Eat, Slay, Live and how it got started, (laughs) what it's all about. Uh, You know, I do it with my brother Ross, you know, that owns the Brick House. And, you know, it's like today we just had uh, Eddie Scholler from Fast Eddie's on there, which I can't wait for everybody to hear that one. it's, (laughs) It's pretty good. You know, he's, he's quite a character. And, you know, him and I decided to do it a year ago, and we were kind of dragging our feet and not really doing it. And then, you know, the lockdown hit, and, you know, it was like, you know what? It's the perfect time. Let's, we're, we're not going to sit around and get worse. We're going to make this, use this to our advantage and get better. Both our businesses were shut down. And so we really concentrated on it. You know, we, we have fun. It's, it's kind of turned into a passion project, you know, of, of mine and, and his so we just just fun, and you know we both own businesses, so it's a way to kind of direct them towards that. And you know it's a combination of being funny and motivational and telling other people's story. You know. You know, I tell you what, uh, Nick. There's there's I would say there's Don King, and then there's Todd Locks, and so <laughs> this is probably one of my favorites. Sure. I wrote this per word right for you. Um, if you lead the Thunder Room. if you survive circuit training, you will be a weapon, a minister of death, praying for war. But until that day, you are weak. You are the wimpiest forms of life on earth because I am hard on you. You will not like me. But the more you hate me, the more you will learn. I am hard, but I am fair. There is no racial bigotry here. I do not look down on anyone. Here you are all equally worthless, and my job is to weed out all the non-hackers who do not have the stones to train in my beloved Thunderdome. Steve, Do you knuckleheads understand? Steve, when was the last time I saw you at the Thunderdome? Oh, right. speaking, of that, speaking of that weeding out process, Nick. He got rid of somebody at least. Yeah. This is fantastic. When I saw this, I wrote it every word down. I thought it was awesome. So. Uh, or you had your assistant write it down. <laughs> she typed it up. Uh, you know, and, and I think one of the things that Nick was talking to me about, and it's, like like my motivation, like my way of motivating people. And I, I feel like there's so many people out there with so uh, way more vast of knowledge of training and things like that than I have. So much more knowledge. I, I just feel like I have a good understanding of people and can read people well. And that's what the main thing is, is, you know, some people get very different versions of me at the gym. Some are like, man, he's so nice and and, and uh, encouraging. And somebody else is like, who are you talking about? <laughs> All he does is scream at me and tell me I'm terrible. But, I, I, but, but they keep coming back. And I feel like, you, and you know this, Steve, you know, uh, coaching basketball is like, 
each person has their own way of being motivated. You have to, as a coach, a trainer, you have to find what that is. Some people, you know, they need built up all the time. Some people need, you know, kind of beat down a little bit or that, you know what I'm saying? And it's, and that's why people get different versions. I mean, I think that one of my uh, few good skills is just reading that in people and being able to uh, figure out what motivates them and using that to help them. You know, my goal is to help them help themselves. You've got a, a seemingly a very close knit family. Tell us a little bit about your your siblings. And can't stand any of them. Okay. Next question. All right, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> no, we do. We and we do. And speaking of fitness, like you know, basically all of us are are into fitness and, and things like that. And and you're the oldest. I am the oldest. Yes, best looking, smartest. Uh, <laughs> the list goes on. Uh, but yeah, we are very close. And and. Ty will say that I've used him as his, my guinea pig all these years training people or whatever. And, and, and Ty has always been a big inspiration to me just because I've sort of not only been a big brother to him, but almost like a dad to him. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and like when he started basketball, you know, he's a very good basketball player, but he was too skinny. You know, like his freshman and sophomore, maybe even kind of his junior year, he was – he wasn't as good as he could have been just because he was, you know, weak and skinny. And, you know, he started, I started helping him with training, talking to him about that. And you, you see what he did his senior year. He blew up, got so much bigger, so much stronger. And it was all, it was all through weight training, you know, and same thing with Ross, you know, Ross and Ty were a little closer, younger, and Ty passed that training on to, uh, on to Ross. And, you know, Ross had it all through high school and college too. So, that's, that's been awesome. It helps motivate us. And, and, you know, when we see each other, we'll, you know, we're like, hey, did you quit lifting? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Looking small, you know, and that's, and that's always shame. Shame, like I've said before, shame is a big motivator for hit the Thunderdome. Steve, don't you picture, like, I mean, I, I want to ask this question. When was the last time a wrestling match broke out at, at, a, at a holiday get-together? Right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> not, it, not that. I'm, okay. I, I'm so much better wrestler than them because we all know that, they, and I'm sure one of you guys was probably getting to how come those guys are such good basketball players or you're so short? And <laughs> I'm sure that question was going to come out, but I can out-wrestle. Uh, as much <laughs> as they can outplay me in basketball, I can out-wrestle them. So I, I think there's an ongoing thing right now of you and Ross in a, what is it, a 50 yards per or 50, yards yes, right yes, and we ask every one of our our uh, guests on our podcast, Eat, Say, Live, uh, who would win in a foot race? And I think we can make this as a fundraiser. Well, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And most people say Ross, and we've had a couple say me, but they like my mom. We had our mom on the podcast. She's, well, I think Ross would be winning. But Todd would never let him win, so he would trip him before he got to the finish line, and then Todd would win. So I'm counting that as a win, right, Medford? Uh, oh, that's great. Hey, let's uh, let's uh, let's ask this question real quick. Uh, let's talk about our good good buddy Nelson. Yeah. Uh, you know, winners win. Old Nelly. Mm -hmm. um, talk about him a little bit, and then maybe give us one good story or or example of Nelson. Uh, I'll start with kind of a funny story. And the only reason I'm, this one just pops up to me is because, uh, I just told it the other day because somebody was talking about Dupo. So, you know, Nelson went on to co coach at Dupo. So when yeah. I went, somehow he drugged me all the way to Dupo to do their strength and conditioning. <laughs> like, you know, we were at Mark, we were at Mark. Well, uh, actually this is another friend. So we, you know, I, I started with him at Marquette doing the strength and conditioning, you know, when we went to the elite eight, 
Mm -hmm. I'll let that resonate for a second. <laughs> and so then, you know, Nelson had his, uh, his abrupt departure from Marquette and he goes to Dupo. So I remember he takes me into the weight room the first day. And did you ever see the, the show, uh, Friday night lights yes. when coach, what was it? What was his name? Coach uh, Taylor. He went Taylor, from yeah. Dylan to East Dylan. I was like, Oh my <laughs> God, we just ended up in East Dylan when I looked at like their weight room. So we're standing there once, and Nelson, he has the the the, uh, the entire team standing in front of him. He goes, he goes, boys, we're gonna talk about grades right now. You put the D in Dupo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I lost it, dude. I lost uh -oh. it standing right there. <laughs> but he was very instrumental in helping me start like my my athlete training. I was doing that down at the Hit Squad. You know, at, at Hughes's gym and uh, with those with the fighters, and then when I started mine, at, uh, you know, the Pride, I just was doing personal training with just sort of your average Joes. And you know, he's like, hey, you know, he, he actually he sent me a couple got kids, Derek Starrett, who went on to play, you know, four year. You you know, Derek, yeah, he absolutely. played for you, and and Dalton Hom, one of the best kids I've ever had. He sent me those two to kind of train individually, you know, and great kids, great kids. And then he's like, well, what do you think about coming to Marquette and doing their strength and conditioning, you know, and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, Nelson, he can, he can, you know, sell freaking ice to Eskimos. And <laughs> so, oh yeah, sure. And so somehow I end up going there three days a week, but he really kind of put me on the map. We had great success there. You know, we had a stud athletes and just, they bought into my lifting program, you know, and uh, so that kind of put me on the map, you know, you know, Nelson, he's going to pump you up just to try to get... Oh free he stuff was. out of you, you know? And, <laughs> and so, you know, we had great athletes down there. I trained Michael Ford, you know, went on to the NFL and just a, a lot of great kids. So that kind of, you know, jump started my, you know, training teams. And then, you know, Jonathan Denny, he was kind of the next one to fall, you know, him and Nelson were friends and kind of fell in line. And I started training the CM girls. And I, I still, I trained the entire CM girls comes to me at a time I have right now I'm doing it to be 20 girls like in one wow. session. It's amazing. So that's amazing. yeah, that's, that's, that's how, it, you know, you, you wonder why that program is they're bigger, they're faster, they're stronger. I mean, that's an amazing program. And a lot of it has to do with their strength and, and conditioning what you guys have done there. So it's, it, it's amazing. A, a little bit. And, you know, and, and Jonathan with, with sending them to me, he, he, he created a culture, you know, like we go back to that creating a culture. You, when you're in middle school in Bethalto currently as a, as a girl, you know, you're going to have to work your butt off. And so I get, you know, I get CM girls or middle school girls come, they come to my, my middle school session, just knowing they have to get ready for high school. And, and, you know, I've trained fighters. I've, you know, I've trained some, some of the toughest dudes on the planet. And I'll tell you what, as a whole, you will never find a tougher group than the CM girls basketball team. I will put them up against anybody, anytime. This is a tough question to answer, but you know, we see that culture on the CM girls basketball side, but you see it sometimes the other way too, for both of you. How, how do you go in and change a, a losing culture? <laughs> a lot mm. of time and a lot of hard work. And you know, the kids have to buy into you. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 main. You know that. You know, like with with Jonathan at you know seeing seeing girls, they they bought into him what he was selling. You know, and and same way with Steve. You know, they 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 know once they get to Marquette that it's going to be a rough road, and they you know, and same they 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 bought into what he's doing, and 
You know, that's that's what it is. The kid, you know, the people you coach and train, they have to believe in you, and they they also have to not want to disappoint you. You know what I'm saying? I think that's that's a big part of it, don't you think, Steve? Absolutely. You know? I, I'd say you know, there's just an expectation you put there, but you know, I think, and I think you kind of hit this a little bit ago. You you talked a little bit about you know your energy, what you bring every day, and and you know you get in there. There's some kids that don't want to be there, but you know, at the end of the day, when you, you step into practice and, and you have, st you start a program, it, the culture has to be changed and there's gotta be a little bit of a shock to it. Right. So when Todd comes into his, his, his weight training session on Saturdays and he's up and he's energetic, that's different. And, and, and kids and people and everybody in there is going to sense that. And that's a culture. And, and I think that's the exact same thing as a coach. I mean, you've got to set the expectations. You've got to bring the energy and, and, you know, kids know when you're putting towards the effort towards it. We've talked about this before, Nick, and I, I think that's probably the same thing. They they sense your passion. They sense what you want to get done. And I could I could probably the exact same thing with Todd. I mean, when he comes in, the kids understand his passion, what he wants to get done, and they don't want to disappoint him. You know, and a lot of a lot of high schools uh, strength and conditioning or you know weightlifting hasn't changed since I was in high school. You know what I'm saying? Like, I remember, like, you'd go in to, to lifting and, like, oh, today we're doing this and this. And, like, if you didn't feel like doing it, you just write down some numbers, yep. you know, kind of stand around, walk around, ground a weight, and then leave. And it hasn't changed much from that. And they're still using the same old – a lot of the same old programs uh, from that it's so outdated, you know. I remember when I went into – Nelson showed me what he was doing with his workouts. I The first thing I went in and cut – I cut out stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like addition by by uh, subtraction, just because you know I have coaches say, yeah, we, we do two hour weightlifting sessions. Well, then you're if your weightlifting sessions are two hours, you're not doing it right. You know what I'm saying? An hour of intensity and focus, and that's all. That's what you need. You know, and so that's that's kind of what we do down there, and it's it's intense. You come in like you can't come to uh, like my high school weightlifting session and skip a rep skip a set, skip around anything. Do you know what I'm saying? Because I'm watching every set, every rep that you're doing. And so, you know, that's why we, we I weed out a lot of kids is because it's just too hard for them. And the parents are like, um, yeah, they're just going to start lifting on their own at, you know, Club Planet Leisure Fitness, you know? Sure they are. So, yeah, <laughs> I just laugh and, uh, you know, they're not our people. That's not right. my people. So, you know, see you later. How you many, uh, in a circuit training, how many exercises do you usually, come well, it's a lot. Yeah, I mean, our record, which I'm not going to tell you that we just said it not too long ago, because, you know, right now, uh, the first rule of the Thunderdome is you don't talk about the Thunderdome is, is 148 people. And we couldn't we couldn't take one more person or we would have had to turn them so away. You, half that many you have to have that many stations, right? but you do or 40. Means, you yeah. do 40. OK, but we have 70 plus stations that mm -hmm. you do. So, I mean, it's, my, my gym's a big it's 10,000 square foot. It's a giant warehouse. So. And, do you have kind of a library of them now that you can go to, or do you, does it still take you a long time to sit down and, and design every, uh, I mean, my, I, you know, I have Haley Eubank or Haley Frankie now that uh, is my other trainer there. She does. She kind of takes a lot of that setting it up away from me. You know what I'm saying? And I, I'll throw in her suggestions and I'm always looking for new things for us to do, you know, in the circuit and I'll give her to that. And she does the most of the setup. I usually finish it off, but and, and we change it up every week and try to make it new. And, um, yeah, it's it's tough coming up and trying to keep it fresh. 
But you could come in three days a week and not do the same workout, even though it's the same setup, because there's 70 plus stations. You're only doing 40 of them. So depending on where you started, it could be all new to you, you know? So, and, and Todd, let me ask you this. Does, do you see a lot of new people? So let's say we have a listener out here. Let's listen to this right now and says, you know, I want to go try pride fitness out. Is they're welcome to come anytime. What's, yeah, is yeah it, I mean, hey, we, yeah, that circuits for anybody. You don't have to say you're coming. You don't sign a contract. You just show up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like I was telling uh, Nick the other day, and you know how this Bring is, Bring cash with you, and you're good to yeah, go. Yeah, throw some cash down, you're ready. But remember, Steve, back in the yard, like if you were new, we were like fresh meat. Do you remember that? Like they, did, you did not get a break. We were gonna, we were gonna break you, right? Like, oh like my God. I, if someone showed up like, all right, we're going to let's let's kick their ace. You know what I'm saying? But but nowadays and people laughed when they when they heard my interview with Nick the other day about it. Nowadays, I'm much, when they come in their first time, like, hey, take your time, you know, go, you know, go nice and slow, blah, blah, blah. And somebody asked me the difference. Like, well, now I have overhead to pay. So we want you to come back. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's at your own pace. So anybody like I said, any, anybody can do it, you know, so. You know, and it's, and it's, it's people, it, it catches on so much because you, you know, one station you're, you're swinging a sledgehammer, the next station you're like hitting a heavy bag, the next station, like you may be picking up a sandbag and, and running with it, you know, and like I said, it's kind of part of that, that uh, making yourself harder to kill. I, I always mm-hmm. say you're now, especially, and this, I'm going on a rant and getting a little over dramatic here, but with the way the world is today and this civil unrest, if, if you're not training to like for emergency type situations, you know what I'm saying? If you're one, if you're not doing any exercise at all, it's and you have a family, it's very irresponsible. You know what I'm saying? Just because yeah. with the civil unrest and and you, you never know. You know, I always say, right, when you train now, you should be training either to kick ass or save somebody's ass, you know, not just trying to get somebody. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I don't mean like fights. I'm like I'm talking of someone, you know, tried to harm your family or something like that. If there was an emergency situation and you had to pick your wife up and carry her, you know, a block away, could you do it? Most people can't. And you hear people say, you know, if somebody broke into my house, I would just kick her, blah, 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 blah. And I look (laughs) at them and you're 75 over, 75 pounds overweight. Like, no, you're not. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, no, you're not in high school. You're 75 pounds overweight. You have about 13 seconds worth of fight in you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'll run and get my gun. Uh, okay, what's but run in quotes first of all? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, and so that's kind of my philosophy on training more: taking lives or saving lives. And I don't li- really mean killing somebody, but you know what I'm saying? Like protecting yourself, protecting your family. You I know, can't it, believe somebody tried to steal this guy's vehicle one time. Oh, they no, they didn't try. They did steal it. <laughs> and, and that vehicle they stole was the biggest hunk of junk on the. Uh, they probably were so mad because it wouldn't go into fifth gear. The thing would only go forty nine miles per hour, and so if the cops would have came out, it would have been the slowest police chase in history. <laughs> oh shoot! So train yourself to make yourself harder to kill. I yeah, like that's that. not a quote from me. I stole that. From Tim Kennedy, uh, former UFC fighter, uh, former U, uh, Navy SEAL. Make yourself harder. Make Train to, to make yourself harder to kill. I got one last question for you, Todd. Okay. I know you are a big book reader. Mm-hmm. One or two books that you would recommend that you think would be just good motivational books? Um. Uh, 
let's see. Well, I, I, I'm not going to go with my I, – I, to be honest with you, I don't read a lot of motivational books. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I do, I don't sit down and read them. To, I'm more of a fiction reader, to be honest with you. And the greatest book ever written is Lonesome Dove. Uh, but, like, I just finished uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. If you haven't read that, that's a great, great story about how you can – come from being 100 pounds overweight and being an exterminator to, you know, being a Navy SEAL and running 100 miles. Like, he was just a regular dude that did it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I like, there's a book by Jocko Willink, who is another uh, former U.S. Navy SEAL. It's called uh, Discipline Equals Freedom. And it's not a book you sit down and read page cover to cover, but you just pick up if you're feeling like you need a, a, a kick in the pants and you read a couple pages of it, and it'll it'll make you want run run, run uh, want to run through a brick wall, you know. Okay. So in, it, I like I said, I read a lot of fiction, but but I watch a lot of like YouTube motivational uh, mm-hmm. videos. Like when I get up in the morning, on my as soon as I uh, as soon as I get in my vehicle, I have, have the night before I've I've picked like a motivational YouTube thing to listen to on the way there. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's a, a David Goggins. Uh, uh, or uh, Jocko Willink or, or whatever. And I always listen to that on the way and it just to kind of charge me up, get my mind in a positive state, you know, and ready mm-hmm. to, you know, I always tell people, get ready to punch that day in the face, you know? Mm-hmm. Can I ask well, you about cheat days? Man, and you know, I'm <laughs> like everybody else. My my diet is not, the, you know, I, I my, my working out is a lot more disciplined to my eating. You know what I'm saying? Unless... I eat, I would say I eat healthy 80% of the time, something like that. Unless like, you know, I'm getting right out, you know, it's almost summertime or I'm getting ready to go to a beach or something like that. I might start dieting a little more, but I, you know, I eat the same, like generally throughout every day, I eat the same things every single day until unless I go out to eat like on the weekends, but every day I eat the same thing. Just kind of makes it easier to stay disciplined, I guess, not it, having to think about, well, what am I going to have that's healthy today? Right. And you know, that's the biggest thing about eating healthy is planning to eat healthy. You know what I'm right. saying? And you food prep, meal prep, meal prep, and meal prepping is where it's at. Because if you don't have something already prepared, you're going to grab the most convenient thing. And the most convenient thing is usually crap. You know, I think eating crap food is one of the biggest uh, problems in our country, in our world today. You know, the foods we eat, it's not food. We're eating, they're drugs. Yeah. You know, and, I, and they, they, these food companies have the best marketers on the world doing the packaging and their advertising getting you to buy it. They have the best scientists in the world working on it to make it the most, you know, addictive it can be. So the odds are stacked against us. You know what I'm saying? And I don't blame people for, for eating bad. I mean, because it's hard and peop- there's people out there that their job is to make you continue eating bad. And and I'm telling you, when, I, when I'm eating, I have bad joints. But when I'm eating clean and eating good, my joints feel so much better. You know, if people would, instead of, you know, going to a doctor and getting pills for this and you got to take a pill to counteract that, if they just try a little uh, exercise and, you know, eating clean, that would save them a lot of time and a lot of money. I think the the sugar addiction is right up there with the nicotine addiction. Sugar is the new cigarette. Right. It really is. It's, you know, I'll tell you what, like I've done this before, you know, you know, like I'm going to limit my sugar, get rid of sugar. You know, you won't eat sugar for two weeks. 
And first you have withdrawals getting out of it. Right. You really do. That tells Mood you something swings, right I mean, there. Yeah. yeah. And then what will happen is you'll go two weeks and eat, the cravings will be gone. And then you'll eat a little sugary snack. And, dude, it's like a heroin hit. You know what I'm saying? And you just want more and more and more. And that tells you right there. It's just it's just addicting. So it, it is hard. The, the odds are totally stacked against you. But if you can fight through it, your life will be, you'll be more motivated. Uh, you won't be as, you know, groggy. It, you don't have those crashes at 2 o'clock. I'm telling you, eating clean, your life is better. It's it's better than that, that 10 seconds of feeling good that a bowl of ice cream gives you. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. You eat, a, you eat something sugary, you eat a snack like that, and it gives you about 30 seconds of pleasure and comfort. But then after that, you just feel like dog crap. Right. You know? Well, Steve, I think that's a good place to wrap it up unless you have anything else for, for Todd. Nope. nope. Oh, hey, good morning, Steve. <laughs> hey, buddy. No, but no, on all seriousness, you know, Todd's done a lot for our community and our youth and um, you know, I, I'd said it at the beginning, you know, he, he comes across this big, tough guy every once in a while. I'll fight, I will fight you and show you. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> um, however, I do have the last story. You know, I, I was showing uh, Nick on the way over here. The, you know, back in the day, I had this billboard said retiring soon. Uh, let's talk. And I mean, it was a huge billboard, right? When you come into Jerseyville and, and next thing you know, I'm like, I, it's like two in the afternoon, three in the afternoon. And I get this text message. I'm in the middle of an appointment. And it's Todd Locks up on the top of the billboard with his hand sticking up and giving a thumbs up right by my face. How you got up there or how you didn't get arrested? I mean, still what, what do you think? A thousand feet high that that, that thing was? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you just go climb up the poles. Is that what you did? That was unbelievable. I, well, actually, I failed because my goal was to get up there and stick my, my bunghole in your nose hole. <laughs> but I just, all I could do was get my thumb up. And that was as high as I can go. And I, and I failed in my mission. But uh, and everybody that saw, I mean, Jer and, and 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 Jerseyville cops kind of got a reputation. I was like, I can't believe you didn't get arrested for that. I know it's hilarious. That is hilarious. I am so, so disappointed that you took that down. We'll put a full version of this on the podcast, but I'm going to say not everything's going to make it to the over-the-air radio broadcast. So. <laughs> great. That is great. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Todd. Appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me, guys. It was fun. Thanks for jo